Welcome to the Yoga Church Sunday Sermons. If you're curious about creating or deepening your spiritual practices, please visit summercushman.com, where you can sign up for private sessions and yoga philosophy courses. And visit theyogachurch.org to join our online community hub, where you'll find weekly classes, sacred study groups, and much more. The Yoga Church is here to support your efforts to connect with divine mystery and build your capacity to love. If these sermons bring you joy and value, please consider making a contribution. They're a totally free and ad-free offering, but that doesn't mean they're without cost. Your support will help me keep them going. Thank you. And with that, let's dive into this guest sermon written by my friend and colleague, Marcy Becker. It's a recap of our recent study of the Niyamas, and it's called Doing My Work and Minding My Business. Enjoy. So for the past several weeks, we've been in a deep study of the Niyamas, the second limb of Patanjali's eight-limb path of yoga. The Niyamas are known as the observances. And I don't know about you, but this study has really hit home. It left me speechless at times and cheering at times and cursing at other times. Like, am I the only one who thinks Summer is writing these just for me or just to me? (laughs) And sometimes she holds up a mirror that can be pretty hard to look into. But through all of that, I still love the study of yoga philosophy. Feels like this never ending deep, deep well of wisdom that I can just keep returning to over and over, coming back to draw out whatever wisdom that I need in that moment. You see, like many of us, it can take hearing something many, many times before it starts to sink in for me. And there are levels and levels of depth to these teachings anyway. So I practice being okay with that, taking whatever sticks at the time and doing what I can to just like learn and integrate and and draw it in without getting into that mode of beating myself up because I don't have it all figured out by now. I practice having faith that I am right where I need to be, that I don't have to have it all figured out. Remember, there's no room for self-judgment in our yoga practice. We're here to observe, to challenge ourselves, to grow. And we can do it all with ease, as much ease as we can. So we talk about effort and ease, and we practice that on our mat and off. But practicing ease doesn't make it easy at all. So let's start with a quick refresher on what we've been learning about these niyamas that form the foundation of our personal practice. The first one is shaucha, which is purity or cleanliness. Summer tells us that yoga is filled with purification techniques because an important goal of yoga is clarity. When our systems are gunked up and we're out of balance, it's hard to think straight. It's hard to see things clearly. And it's hard to stay connected to our highest aspirations. The second niyama is santosha, or contentment. And Summer writes that when our minds are clear and we're able to abide in our own true nature, a natural happiness arises the happiness of being that exists beyond craving. The third niyama is tapas, 
which is self-discipline. Summer says the kind of effort required to build, contain, harness, and direct transformative energy is called tapas. And it's such an integral part of yoga that her teacher wrote, there can be no yoga without tapas. Tapas is heat, and we need heat to purify, seal, and right our vessel. The fourth niyama is svadhyaya, or self-study. Summer tells us that it means to move toward oneself. There's an understanding in spiritual traditions that as we move toward the self, we move toward divine mystery. And as we move toward divine mystery, we move toward the self, an ever-deepening spiral. And then the fifth niyama is Ishvara Pranidhana, or surrender to the divine. Summer writes, in teaching, Patanjali is asking us to step away from our small self, from our ego and personality with its likes, dislikes, attachments, and fears. If we can trustfully surrender to something higher than ourselves, if we can dedicate our lives to something bigger than the limited vision of our ego self, we might just discover the truth of our highest self. So that's all, that's a lot. And any one of these on their own seems like a pretty tall order and really a lifetime of practice. The niyamas are all about living in right relationship with ourselves. And what I've learned about myself over the past several years is that this is more of a challenge for me than I'd like to admit. Living in right relationship with myself means putting forth effort for me, prioritizing practices that nurture me and help me become who I want to be in this world. And it sounds pretty simple and easy as I write that, but for some reason, super hard to actually practice. Like logically, it makes all the sense in the world. It's just always been so much easier for me to prioritize the needs of others, to meet commitments and deadlines imposed by and for other people. So I'm working to understand this and hoping to unravel it. But there's a deep layer of conditioning that I picked up along the way about sacrifice. Sacrificing yourself for others is highly praised and highly valued in our society, especially for women and even more, especially for mothers. And it's a noble thing, perhaps, but it's out of balance. And all of that sacrifice at the expense of my own needs carries with it a lot of unspoken messaging that I'm just starting to understand. What am I teaching myself and other people about how I value or don't value myself? Like I've definitely found myself in situations I didn't want to be in, doing things I didn't want to do, because I felt some sort of obligation to someone for one reason or another. I agree to things other people want me to do without stopping to think about whether or not that's actually the right thing for me. A lack of clarity around that and this ingrained habit of sacrifice has left me feeling really frustrated and overwhelmed more than once. So I'm working to unlearn that, but it's a slow process. And as well as I think through all of that sacrifice that I've shown up well for other people, 
I'm sure I could have shown up even better if I had been living in right relationship with myself. If I had prioritized my own needs and my personal practice. Because in truth, a personal practice isn't actually just for me. Like it serves me, that's for sure. But it also serves my family and my friends and my community. If I can show up with more clarity, contentment, discipline, deep knowing and surrender, when I can show up to the right things and the right times from that space, I can only assume the experience so much richer for everyone involved. So for the 10 plus years I've been working with the Niyamas, tapas has been the most challenging and can actually just impact everything else. You know, as Summer's teacher said, there can be no yoga without tapas. But being steadfast and disciplined in my personal practice always felt too rigid for who I believed myself to be. Like I'm the go with the flow kind of person. I leaned into that and I, I really couldn't be rigid if I tried. And that used to feel like such a good thing, but I'm beginning to see it with different eyes. And while I feel like I practice some aspect of this broader system of yoga every day, I've definitely given myself plenty of permission to shy away from practices that are more challenging. So like, I feel like I can check the box of practice, but the transformation's been slower based on what I've chosen to practice and what I've chosen to avoid. So full disclosure, there's a super annoying inner rebel I'm working with. She's a big pain to live with and her rebellion is not helpful. Like inside of me, there's this surly teenager rolling her eyes when I tell her it's time to practice. I end up sort of just falling into that like cool mom mode where I don't really actually want to make her do it (laughs) or I figure out how to reduce it in some way so she'll at least agree to it like make it easier so she'll at least try it and I can even almost hear her audibly like ugh why do we have to do this I don't want to do it it's too hard it's too dumb I don't want to do it (laughs) So we all have different things that get in our way. We all struggle with different things. Tapas might not be yours. But for me, for now, this is where my work lies. It can be hard to do things that are actually good for me. And somehow it seems like it shouldn't. Like, Why am I surprised this is hard work? It's like I always expect to be on easy street. And when I find myself on some kind of detour, it somehow just feels like a real good reason to just go on home and stop bothering. When it gets too hard, might as well stop. (laughs) So this feels like another layer of conditioning, right, that I'm working with. This idea that I should always be comfortable. You don't have to look very far to see so much advertising for products and services designed to create a more comfortable life. I've been learning both consciously and subconsciously, perhaps my whole life, that the goal is to be as comfortable as possible. But that's not actually it at all. 
like not the transformation I'm looking for doesn't live in the comfortable. What if I saw discomfort as confirmation that I'm learning and growing and transforming and that I am actually right where I need to be? What if I even looked forward to discomfort? Or one step further, could I even celebrate it? And while that may sound crazy, let's remember the practice of Pratipaksha Bhavana that Summer talks about. Cultivating the opposite. I might have to do that crazy practice of celebrating discomfort in order to find that transformation I'm looking for. When Summer and I were on retreat with her teacher, Robin Rothenberg, a few months ago, she introduced us to this idea of conspiring with your dukkha. Dukkha is a Sanskrit word that translates to suffering and pain, discomfort, you know, maybe even constriction. Dukkha points you to where you are stuck. So how can we use this discomfort that we feel when things get hard, how can I conspire with this discomfort? And, and be reminded when it shows up that I'm in the right place. Summer shared, tapas is the heat that builds up inside us as we put forth effort toward increasing our capacity to stay with the discomfort of transformative change. So discomfort is simply a confirmation that we're where we need to be. It's like step one. You've arrived. Hooray. <laughs> Let's celebrate. Welcome. Come on in. I'm glad you're here. And then the practice is to try to stay with it, right? What does it feel like to stay in it? Because the work, that's where the work is. Lama Rod Owens talks about the importance of doing our work in the book, Love and Rage. If we don't do our work, then we become work for other people. So for someone who's conditioned to sacrifice for others, this one rang loud and clear for me. By doing my own work, I will in turn not inflict work on other people. And it reminds me of Zen Buddhist priest, Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, teaching her students to mind your business. Focus on your own work. You have enough of your own work to do. I have enough of my own work to do. I can't do your work for you and you can't do my work for me. But we all need to be doing our work, whatever that is. And while we all focus on our own work, being in community can make all the difference for me. While this is about living in right relationship with myself, I don't have to do it all by myself. The love, support, the accountability that we experience in community can make all the difference. Knowing that my experience is being witnessed And that I get the gift of witnessing others' experience, of other people doing their work, is something I'm extremely grateful for. The first time I was a part of something like this was in my original yoga teacher training. 
I'm sure I'd had glimpses of it in other circles and relationships, but I had never really felt it in this way, in such an open and authentic and really non-judgmental way. It was an unexpected part of the journey that I treasure most from that time, and it's what I missed most when the training was over. It's something I've continued to search for ever since then. But it's really hard to find in our society that's so focused on individualism. So focused on people doing things on their own. Not needing other people. And we all know the world got turned upside down last year. And in ways that we never imagined possible. And as challenging and difficult as it's been, the unexpected part of that journey has been this development of this online yoga church community. I don't know what I would have done without you. So thank you all for being here. Know that I have been searching for you for years. So I'll end this with a prayer of gratitude. Let us give thanks for this ancient practice of yoga, for the wisdom that it holds, the transformation it offers, and our time to practice together in community. May we all continue to do our work. May we all mind our own business. May we commit to our practice of clarity, gratitude, discipline, deep knowing, and mystery. This isn't the end. You'll find many more resources to support your life and practice inside the Yoga Church Community Hub. Please visit theyogachurch.org to learn more and sign up. Thank you for being a part of the Yoga Church community.